You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. And now you can get the Locked On Pelicans podcast on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. And don't forget, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Pelicans. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, day after the Pelicans fall to the Los Angeles Lakers, 130-102. Normally, we'd hate that, but with just four games left to go in the season, losses are a good thing. We're going to recap this game for you. Then we're going to talk about one of the players you did not see in this game. Yes, LeBron James has been shut down for the year. NBA looking a little bit hypocritical right now. We'll talk about that in the second segment. And then, of course, we had some breaking news over the weekend as Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN tweeted out the list, the short list of some of the GM candidates. I'll let you know who they are, why the Pelicans are looking at all of these guys, and we'll go a little bit more in depth over the rest of the week. So a lot to cover in the Monday edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before we get to everything else, first the game, and look, it wasn't great for the Pelicans, particularly in the second half when the Lakers opened up the third quarter by scoring 44 points compared to the Pelicans' 22. That was after New Orleans took a one-point lead in at the break. Basically, that's kind of where it was won and lost, and that was really it. They outscored the Pelicans also in the fourth quarter, 25-18. to Pelicans, 24 turnovers on the night. They basically had 10 within the first 15, 16 minutes of the game. 32 turnover points for the Los Angeles Lakers based on that. Gave them 24 in the fast break. That is just easy, easy points for the Lakers. They went out and scored and scored more than the Pelicans. And that's kind of really it. 24 turnovers is an insane amount. The Pelicans just did not do themselves any favors with that. The main culprit of that in this one was Ian Clark. Played about 31 and a half minutes because he's just forced into actions with injuries to Frank Jackson, to Darius Miller, to Drew Holiday, each one more. There is a lot of thin depth there at the wing spot and in the backcourt. Played more minutes than you'd like and had seven turnovers. Shot just 33% from the field overall, 11 points. Jalil Okafor got a start seeing his minutes increased again because there's just a lack of bodies here. 23 minutes, about 17 points. He also grabbed five boards, did it on good shooting. You know what you get from him, and it's been good, and that's why I think you'll see him on the roster next year. Kenrich Williams in the starting lineup, too. His shooting has not been good. He has struggled mightily over the past month or two. No points on the night. 0 for 3. Did grab three rebounds there. Starting in the backcourt with Ian Clark was Alfred Payton. Eight points on the night, six assists. Who cares, really? It's you, you know what he can do. He's solid. Julius Randle played under 23 minutes in this one. Hit his finger, his left index finger, I think. Had to go to the locker room to get some x-rays. Did not return, but it was the x-rays came back negative, so nothing's broken there. They're officially calling it a sprain. You might see him just get shut down for the year now because he's got an injury that can kind of keep him out. In that 23 minutes of action, 17 points on the night. 
five rebounds. His rebounding's been kind of low throughout the season. It's okay. What it is, what it is. Check Diallo, 12 points on the night, 10 rebounds. Christian Wood continuing to impress off the bench, 27 minutes in this one, 15 points, 11 rebounds. Didn't have the best shooting night. The Pelicans didn't as a whole, but he was five of 13, so under 40%. We'll cut him a break. He's allowed to have one bad game when he gets above 20 minutes for the Pelicans because otherwise he's been pretty good overall. Solomon Hill got minutes. Uh, Burton's got minutes. They didn't do much of anything either. Stanley Johnson got minutes. And like, who cares? The Pelicans, or sorry, the Lakers started Rajon Rondo, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, JaVale McGee, Moritz Wagner, and uh, Lance Stevenson. I mean, come on. Of all of the names listed and linked to the Pelicans in the trade rumors, and that was almost the entirety of that Lakers roster, the the only one who played here for them was Lance Stevenson. They were offering something like five, six, seven guys to the Pelicans potentially, and only one of them played, which kind of shows you how depleted both of these squads are here. One name you didn't hear me mention for the Lakers, though, LeBron James. He is being shut down for the year, which, given the situation of uh, Anthony Davis having played since his trade request, seems a little bit hypocritical. They're going to try and claim injury, but I'm going to tell you why that's wrong. I'll give you their statement and everything about this coming up in the next segment. But before we get to that, remember to get this show every day, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist. There's way too many podcasts out there. This is a proven fact. Himalaya makes it easier to find content you actually want and try and shift through all of it. They also throw in new features every single day as the app evolves. It's awesome. It's what I personally use. Download Himalaya at your app store and make sure to subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. So LeBron James shut down for the year. Here's the Lakers statement on this, and it reads, and I quote, after consulting with our team doctors and medical staff, we have decided to hold LeBron out of games for the remainder of the season. This decision will allow his groin to fully heal and is best for the future success of both LeBron and the Lakers, end quote. I have one word to say to this as we come up towards the end of the season. Just one word, but we'll expand on it after that. But it really can be summed up, and I think you're all going to feel the same way. You all want to know what that one word is? Bullshit. Bullshit is the one word here. I don't need to say anything else. If I ended the segment right here, you'd all agree with me, and you'd let me know on Twitter that I had it right on. I know this. But let's go in a little bit deeper, because this I was intrigued by. I've kind of defended the NBA on this a little bit. I defended that they weren't being hypocritical about certain things because the guys on teams that you saw get shut down were players that have actual injuries. We talked about it with the Timberwolves last week or the week before where Derrick Rose had surgery. Teague, I think, also had surgery. And Robert Covington had been out since January. Those guys had legitimate things that caused them to be shut down. Drew Holiday had surgery, so it's cool to shut him down. All of that's been there. They're going to tell me that this groin injury that LeBron suffered on Christmas Day that held him out for a, a, a most a career high amount of games for that injury, and this is the first, the biggest injury he's ever had in his career, is still lingering, huh? Well, I looked at it. Since he returned, he's averaging over 36 minutes per game. If this injury was that bad, he's not playing over 36 fucking minutes per game, is he? No, of course not. It doesn't take like a genius to kind of figure this 
all out. He's played in the majority of games until they've been finally eliminated from playoff contention. Yes, they've listed him on the injury report, so he's actually been on there with this. But I mean, is he really that injured if he's playing over 36 minutes per game? His first game back from that injury, he played 40 minutes and 26 seconds. Since he's come back from that injury, he's played 21 games. He has sat out, let me see here, one, two, three, four, and then five if you count this game now that he's shut down. And he's played 21. He's not that injured. It's just straight up. This is not a thing where it's, oh no, if he doesn't get the rest right now and if we don't play him the remainder of these games, that he's not going to be ready for next season or this is going to impact him further. It's not. It's just bullshit. They just want to shut him down, which you know what? Should be in their right to do, just like it should be in the Pelicans' right to shut down Anthony Davis. You know, they want to kind of say, hey, fans pay money to go and see that. Well, fans paid money to go to last night's game in the Smoothie King Center, and they didn't get to see LeBron James. So do they get refunds? How does this shit work? I'm, you can hell I'm angry about this. When this team, this Lakers team has five games left, and even if he were playing every other one, he would be playing in three out of those five at this point. It's just hypocritical. I'm cool with it if players are actually injured. I don't think you're going to get me to believe that LeBron James is with this. It should have been up to the Pelicans to shut Anthony Davis down and to kind of get rid of the distraction and just get these young guys some more minutes. They've done that, and this likely hasn't impacted them too much, but they've probably won a couple more games than they should have, which is not what they want to do. They want to go out and compete, but they also want to lose because of it. But this is, make no doubt about it, and I'm going to say it again, complete bullshit and hypocrisy on the Pelicans and giving maybe LeBron James a bit of a pass and the Lakers a bit of a pass, which, you know what? You can't do. The rules apply to everyone, and the NBA is not enforcing them, so I'm curious to see. You know, at least it wasn't the 20 games remaining or, or you know, 15, whatever it was when this talk started, but this is still nothing but BS here. It's annoying. Because of this, I wonder if you're going to see Anthony Davis play the rest of the season. He should, at this point, be shut down now that there's a precedent, and if the league comes to you, I'd say this is garbage, and I'd, again, show that LeBron has played in 21 out of the 26, 25 games since he returned from injury, and that he's averaging over 36 minutes per game. It's 36.1. You're not injured if you're playing that, and it doesn't take this skipping these final games to kind of recuperate and get that. The you know, and it kind of sucks. They have the uh, toughest remaining though strength of schedule, meaning they're gonna lose a lot of games. And this kind of does impact them and can impact the race to the bottom for the tanking, which is where they kind of all stand now. Right now, New Orleans is ninth with a 32 and 46 record. The Lakers right now are also 35 and 42. This is close. There's three games left and they each have, or the Lakers have five games, the Pelicans have four. This could make the difference of some lottery odds, which I think are overrated, but still, there's it's impactful in some capacity. And finally, to say it one more time, it is complete bullshit. So as we hit the stretch run of the season, some of these playoff seeding races are quite tight. Who's injured, who's not, it all makes a difference. And the best way to keep up with everything going on around the league is to listen to the Locked On NBA podcast Monday through Friday, giving you everything you need to know. I, of course, am on there every Wednesday co-hosting that uh, episode with John Krause of Locked On Celtics. So again, make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast.
So Friday, we got some news and an update on the Pelicans GM search. Adrian Wojnarowski, of course, coming on in hot with a bomb right there, saying New Orleans has been granted permission to interview several front office candidates for its GM job, including Golden State's Larry Harris, Brooklyn's Trajan Langdon, and Houston's Gerson Rosas, league sources tell ESPN. There are more candidates expected to be in the process. Two of the other ones you can for sure know are... Current G- interim GM, Danny Ferry, no surprise right there. David Griffin's probably, there's a chance that he gets a look at as well. And a couple of others, but these are the big names. This is kind of funny to me, I won't lie, and I kind of laughed when I first saw this. Not that there's anything wrong with the tweet or the names that they're looking at, because there isn't. These are very good names. But the Pelicans hired a search firm to give them the three names that literally everyone in the league would have told you would have been good GM candidates. When you think of up-and-coming GMs or guys to then take over and run a team, Langdon's on there, Rosas is on there, Harris is on there, a couple of other guys are on there too. This would have been the easiest job for a search firm ever to kind of give this to the Pelicans. Literally, all of my followers on Twitter were saying who these people were and why they should be included in the search and that the Pelicans should interview them. Good use of the money there, Pelicans. I'm joking around a little bit, but it goes to show that this isn't an open, you know, a secret or anything here, that sometimes it's just the obvious names are the obvious names. We're going to look at all three of these guys and a couple other candidates. We'll do it this week since we're winding down the season, go a little bit more in-depth on everyone and their ability to potentially to be a good GM uh, for this team. But again, these names are no surprise. We can start with Larry Harris, who's been with the Warriors since 2008, obviously they've got a good structure there. I always worry about pulling guys from kind of that top team. Not that they're not smart, but they have kind of an inherent advantage when it comes to building that roster. Guys are signing for cheap there and less money than they're worth to try and win a ring because they're so good. But he's also part of the group that is drafted exceptionally well. Guys like Curry, even though he came in right around that time after maybe, but Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, some of the other ones too. Pat McCaw's been really good for him. Ian Clark was pretty good for him too. So they is experience in this front office that kind of dives into certain things and can make these good picks. But again, comes from the Warriors. That doesn't necessarily translate over because you're not there. He's been in his current position, which apparently includes the director of player personnel since the 2014-2015 season. Again, guys on the best team in the league are obviously going to be on the Pelicans' radar. No big surprise there. Let's look also at... Gerson Rosas, who is Latino and recently spoke out um, saying that he'd like to see more Latinos in the NBA. They, of course, have the 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 the, the Hispanic night in the league, which uh, where they use a lot of the different jerseys and uniforms. So it's interesting. So that's a good hire right there. He's been with the Houston Rockets for a number of years now. I think he's been with that organization for 15 or more years. Very analytics-driven. Obviously, some people under Daryl Morey have had some success. Kind of depends if you like Sam Hinkie or not, but he came from there as well. Morey's been one of the more successful GMs in the league, also doing it on a tight budget given that Hey, they have not had salary cap room for a while. He swung a trade for a superstar in James Harden. He's constantly tinkered around the edges, made some very good free agent signings too. We hate Eric Gordon down here, but that was a great move for the Houston Rockets and has constantly kept them a competitive team, taking the Golden State Warriors to game seven last year, where if they don't have a historically bad night from three, maybe they win and go into the NBA finals and then who knows what happens, but they probably win. 
That's a good look if you're looking for a more analytical driven model. Certainly that could work as well. You have to figure he would bring a lot of that. He probably is going to demand full control. We're going to dive more into this later in the week. But he was the GM of the Mavericks for about three months or so before unexpectedly walking away from it. And it seems like maybe he didn't have the type of control there that he would have liked with a more hands-on owner in Mark Cuban. Wouldn't really have that problem here, but it's worth keeping in mind. But it's a good name to kind of have on the radar here, one that I don't think anyone is surprised about as well. The last name that was included in that tweet is one I'm probably asked about the most. And if I had to bet money which I wouldn't want to do right now because so much is still up in the air, I would say this is the guy who's the favorite for the GM job. And that's Trajan Langdon, who's the assistant GM with the Nets. The other day, if you've heard his name not related to this search, he was actually named the G League Basketball Executive of the Year. He's also the general manager of that Brooklyn Nets G League team, which is also named the Nets, who finished with the best record in the East, the number one playoff seed. And it was their first postseason berth. They finished 13-1 and one on the year in their final 14 games, including a 10-game winning streak as they got into the playoffs, picked a former Nets assistant coach to be their head coach, so he's obviously got some ability to make correct hires that fit what he's looking to do. So a nice accolade for the Nets assistant GM. The Nets have started their rebuild with no assets whatsoever after that horrific trade with the Boston Celtics that brought them back, guys like Paul Pierce and so on. That didn't work out, and they've built a contender, and I think everyone kind of loves the Nets right now as kind of this, uh, I, I've heard them referred to as the hipster pick in the NBA, and that's not entirely wrong. They've drafted where uh, well a guy like Karis LeVert. They've done great in the trade front, bringing in a guy like D'Angelo Williams, who you have to figure they're going to re-sign, and he's been part of all of that, and I think that's a very good look, and he comes with a lot of shine. He's got experience as a scout with the San Antonio Spurs. He's also got other experience in the front office. All of that looks really good, I'd say, on paper, and if he can come off well in an interview, you have to figure, at least in my opinion, that he's the front runner for all of this. We'll look more in depth at all of these guys, but those are the names that were in that Woj tweet, which again, no real surprise there. These are the names they were going to interview, and if they weren't included in that, that's more likely a problem. Good job, search company, and the money that you earn from that. I'm sure they gave more than just here are the names that you should hire. There's probably a little bit more, maybe a scouting report on these guys too. Again, just kind of find it funny the Pelicans paid for a list of the most obvious names that I could have given them or you could have given them. But nice to see some traction on this front. You know, the season ends on April 9th for the Pelicans. The draft lottery is May 14th. You have to figure they want to get it done before then or soon after. But that's where we kind of are in this search process. Interviews are going to be happening very, very soon, I would imagine. And we should get a decision on this sooner rather than later so that they can move forward. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 